When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Thorpe is coming in, gold and a world record. The birth of a legend. 458 is the total, out of which Bradman has made 309 not out. It's a world's record. Test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. To this is your sporting life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Here's your host, Sam Edmund. Hello and welcome to another very special edition of This Is Your Sporting Life. Thanks to our great friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals. Sam Edmund here to celebrate the sporting life of a legendary lion and a club hall of famer. Bill Stephen played 256 VFL games, 212 of them coming at Fitzroy, where he was a star captain coach and dual club champion who also represented Victoria on no less than 14 occasions. Billy, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you, Sam. Yes, it's nice to be on and uh, talk to the listeners. I thought uh, I'd been uh, forgotten over the years, and uh, um, it's nice to be uh, remembered anyway. (laughs) Not yet, Bill, not yet. Now, it was a few weeks ago, but I almost feel compelled to wish you a belated happy birthday because you turn, what, 92 on April 1. That's a great achievement. Well, (laughs) I must admit, uh, Sam, that I never ever thought I'd... uh, get to anywhere near uh, 92 because when you look ahead as a younger person you uh, you think oh gee that's a real old age oh, I'd never get there but uh, yes it's uh, it's come and it's come very quickly uh, unfortunately I haven't been in the best of health uh, in the last couple of years but uh, uh, I'm, I'm going well now and uh, hoping to get along to the footy again I haven't been for a couple of years but uh, I watch it very closely and uh, um, you know, keep up with everything that goes on. So it's been uh, a lifetime uh, interest for me because uh, of, uh, of what you'll hear in the few, in the uh, segment. <laughs> well, given the times we're speaking remotely, but you sound fantastic. I don't know if you've seen the film Benjamin Button, Bill. They might have based it on you. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the birthday would have been difficult to celebrate, obviously, which is unfortunate. Where, where do we find you at this crazy time? And we, we hope you're looking after yourself, obviously. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I've been uh, very fortunate. Uh, I married a beautiful uh, person who's still with me, and uh, we've been married for, oh, um, uh, if I'm allowed to say, 68 Careful. years. And... Uh, uh, she's, uh, you know, worked very hard to keep me going, and uh, I've had, uh, you know, through your life, Sam, you get uh, different times when you think that uh, 
you know, you get the, the ill fortune of ill health. I haven't had many, but I've had two or three, and uh, they make you think a bit, and uh, I'm uh, very glad to have, uh, you know, reached this age and uh, hope I can get keep going for another few years, mainly for her sake, uh, because she's been so good. But uh, anyway, uh, I still uh, still keep a big interest in the footy, so I'll be anxious to uh, impart any uh, memories that I can to the uh, to any person that cares to listen. What's your wife's name, Bill? Uh, uh, well, she's actually Margaret, but she never gets that. She gets Betty. <laughs> Betty, no, uh, magnificent. Yes. Um, well, before we get to the football side of your life, I mean, the word unprecedented has been thrown around more in the past two months than just about any other time that most people can remember. But the fact is, it's not exactly unprecedented for you, is it? Now, you were born in 1928, which was just on the shoulder of the Great Depression. And as a teenager, World War II was raging across the globe as well. What role did football play in those difficult times, do you think? Yes, well, if uh, if uh, you've got the time to listen to me, I I uh, was born in '28, and that that was on the eve of the depression. Uh, times were very very hard, in as much as people didn't have anything, and they didn't really need much uh, because of the you know the quality of living at those days wasn't anything like what it is today. Um, but unfortunately, the the depression came in, and uh, a lot of people lost their lost their jobs, and, and and more unfortunately, a lot of people lost their houses. There were people in our street. I lived in. I was bo- actually born in Fitzroy in a street, Freeman Street, which runs alongside the Fitzroy ground, and um, I never ever lived there. But uh, there was a little private hospital there, which is not there now. Um, but it was at number six Freeman Street. I saw on the birth certificate, and um, the um, I was born there. But my parents built a home in uh, in Thornbury and um, lived all my ju- junior life until I got married, and even a couple of years later, um, lived there and uh, enjoyed Thornbury very, very much. Uh, yeah, it was a great spot to live and. Uh, um, you, you might remember, this will tackle the memories of a few people. We lived opposite a, a park called Mayer Park, and that's where I learned to play footy. And um, opposite the park was the Fitzroy race course. Now, I can remember my father taking me across, it was only two minutes from our place, taking me across on his bike, leaning the bike against the fence when the the races would come on. I think John Wren owned the uh, Fitzroy race course uh, and then leaned his bike against the fence and then put me up on his shoulders and we'd watch, watch the race and then go go home. But it's, uh, there wouldn't, wouldn't be many people that would remember seeing races at the Fitzroy race course because it's no longer there now and uh, it's uh, covered in uh, houses, of course. And uh, But uh, it's, a, it's a memory that I've got and, uh, you know, it's worth passing on to a few people that may have been uh, in the same situation. How did it come to pass that you got the call up to play senior footy at Fitzroy? 
I was playing with um, Thornbury YCW. It was not the CYMS. It was a younger, younger group, and I was captain of the under 18s, but I was eligible for the under 16s. Anyway, I played a season there, and uh, there was a fellow lived around the uh, next uh, couple of streets by the name of Percy Mitchell, one of the finest administrators in football that you'd ever get. Percy uh, died since, but uh, he uh, he used to come and watch me play a bit, and he must have mentioned my name down at Fitzroy because I got this letter from a chap named Jack Buckley, who was the secretary of Fitzroy, and uh, in it he said that um, uh, Fred Hewson was the captain and coach of Fitzroy at the time, and uh, he said that he would take a, and this appealed to me, a particular interest in me. It was only sales talk, but it appealed to me, so I was uh, uh, glad to uh, to go down and uh, and have a run with them. I didn't have a, a, a proper uniform, so I borrowed. I had a cousin of mine, Jack Wardle, had played a few games with Northcote, and Jack um, Jack had a Northcote jumper, so I borrowed his Northcote jumper and Northcote socks, and went down and uh, and trained at Fitzroy, and I can remember training and I got behind big Bertie Clay and Bertie Clay was a oh he was a stalwart at Fitzroy a wonderful man great bloke about six foot four or five which and built accordingly but he was a um he, he never had like he was a great he was a good very good player played in the premiership side and um but he, he didn't have a lot of skill on on anything that went to the ground, being so big and clumsy, but um, so I thought to myself, I'll follow this bloke around because he drops the ball a lot, and I'll pick up a lot of kicks. So I did that, and that, that must have impressed them because I, they, uh, I just went from um, strength to strength, I suppose, in a way, because uh, they finished up picking me in the first uh, game of the year, which was against Collingwood. At, Collingwood, and uh, I went in a very raw recruit, I might add, but uh, anyway, uh, got through it, and uh, uh, I had a bit of an, always had a bit of an association with Collingwood, because at at school, I played in a premiership there with the St. Thomas's um, uh, Christian Brothers College, and we played, uh, Bill Termey was in the centre, Yep. I played full forward in that um, school side, which beat uh, Victoria Park, in which Lenny Fitzgerald was playing, and um, for Vic Park, and uh, so uh, yeah, so I had a bit of a history at Collingwood. Did you end up playing on Billy Toomey that day? What are your memories of that day? Yes, I do. I, I remember I was on against went, went into the, I was picked on the half forward flank against a fellow by the name of um, Jack Murphy, and Jack Murphy. Um, Murphy's a great name at Collingwood, of course. Jack Murphy was at the time vice captain of Victoria, and um, he was interchanging with a fellow by the name of Gordon Hocking, who I played with myself in interstate sides a few years later on. But um, so I was picked on the half forward flank, and then after half time, I don't know why, but anyway, I was switched into the centre. And um, <laughs> playing in the centre, of course, was Billy Toomey, who I was used to sit next to at school, and uh, we were great friends. And uh, so uh, I can remember once uh, Bill was very, very quick runner. I wasn't, and uh, 
I can remember once we were heading to the boundary and the ball had got, been kicked out and I can remember Bill Toomey running and I thought, God, he'll eat me, you know, he'll be miles too fast for me. Anyway, we, we by the time we got to the ball, it went over the boundary and I thought to myself, I reckon later on, I reckon Bill Toomey slowed up. I reckon he he recognised that he could beat me, but he didn't do it, and that was a, the hallmark of a, a true friend, wasn't it? <laughs> Jeez, if it transcended football uh, sides, it certainly was the side of a true friend, Bill. Uh, <laughs> we're just getting started here on the fascinating footy journey of Billy Stephen, and it will continue next on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life, where we are chatting with former Fitzroy great Bill Stephen for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Well, Bill, we're speaking about Hayden Bunton earlier. Now, you played under the legendary Norm Smith at Fitzroy for three seasons, I think it was. Now, there is a mythical character in football history. What, what was he like and what was your relationship like with Norm Smith? My relationship with Norm Smith was very, very, well... Very good, actually, because uh, I played squash with Norm after he went back to Melbourne, uh, uh, I was, which I was most disappointed at. But, but uh, anyway, uh, I could tell you about that if we have time. But um, and Norm and I played squash together for about uh, eight years, I suppose, after he... Um, uh, and no, but we used to have two-man wars. I don't know whether you ever played squash, but uh, but uh, I did Sam, not. but uh, I did not. it's uh, it can be. No, uh, normally we finish with blood noses and cut eyes, and and <laughs> yeah, Norm was always saying he was trying to make me more callous. You reckon I wasn't callous enough on the footy field? And, did and, it work? Uh, Norman, but we were we were great mates. He was a great fella. Uh, had a, I think I can always remember one day that Hawthorne beat us on the Fitzroy ground by a point, and um, it was um, uh, I think it I'm not sure, but I think it might have been the day that I got engaged, and Betty and I had been in the city on the Saturday morning looking for a, and we'd gone and recommended to a fellow by the name of Hoare to get an engagement ring, which we found. We came home, and of course, I got to the ground a little bit late. And um, anyway, we played Hawthorne, and they got up and beat us by a point. And Hawthorne in those days were no good, I tell you. So yeah. we couldn't have played too well. And I didn't, I don't think, I can't remember what I did, what I did that day. But... Um, I remember coming off the ground and there was Norm standing at the top of the race and he was absolutely livid that we had got beaten by this Hawthorne mob that were no good. And he was red in the face and he was he was blasting every player that came off the ground. I can still see his face. Did you tell him, did you come clean, Bill, on where you'd been No, I, I felt like taking my jumper off and throwing it at him. But do you know what? I wasn't going. <laughs> Don't blame you. <laughs> 
He was a wonderful man, Norm Smith. He did a lot of, he did a tremendous amount of good to, for people that needed help. Norm Smith was always there to help them. But uh, yeah, we became great friends. And I was one of the only people that, um, uh, I was one of his coffin bearers. So that's how close I got to him mm. in the in the, uh, in the finish here. But still so many big names at the club, though, wasn't there, Bill? I mean, you played with, and I think you later coached, uh, Kevin Bulldog-Murray uh, for a number of years. I mean, there weren't too many who wore the Fitzroy jumper with more pride than Bulldog. I coached Kevin in his first ever game when he was uh, only 16, I think, and uh, I coached him when he won the Brownlow. So uh, I had a... In, in fact, I was sitting next to him when the when he won the Brownlow. He... Uh, it used to, in those days, it used to come over the uh, radio, and we were listening to it. Uh, the, we, we had a, in those days, all we had at Fitzroy was a an end of season dinner, and all the players got together, and we, I think, we went into the, uh, the bookies club there, the Victoria Club, and uh, we were sitting there, and I can remember that we were listening to the broadcast uh, on the radio, and. Uh, all, all of a sudden, it got very close, and then uh, Kevin sounded as though they they called his name, and he sounded as though he 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 was winded. His, his breath had sort of left him, and he said, "Billy, I've got it. I've always rem- remembered that uh, that night <laughs> in, in my memory." Yes, yeah. yes, he was. Uh, uh, he was. I've never seen a player with more tenacity. Than Kevin Murray, he was a he he wasn't the best player that I've seen, but a, but he was a, for tenacity. Kevin was number one, I tell you, and well, a great player. Well, Fitzroy history is littered with the big names, Bill, as we've been talking about. But you also found yourself uh, playing against some pretty handy types as well. I think you were in the back pocket while a bloke by the name of John Coleman was doing some pretty special things at the Bombers. Yes, uh, John Coleman's one of the best. Uh, well, you couldn't see a better player than uh, John Coleman, but uh, I actually roomed with him in the 1950 carnival. Tells you how the times have changed, uh, Sam. The uh, in one room for a fortnight there was Ellen Ruthven, uh, Fitzroy Great and a Brownlow medalist, Billy Hutchinson, Essendon Great and a Brownlow medalist, John Coleman. And myself, the four of us in the one room for a fortnight, and um, so I had a, you know, you got to really know the the um, people from the opposition side if you happen to be berthed with them for a fortnight. So yeah, Coleman was a, he was a super player, Coleman. He's uh, I've never seen a better player than John Coleman. He was uh, uh, out, outstanding. The Essendon people used to go from. Um, one end of the ground when he was kicking there to, to the when he'd go up the other end kicking up the other end they'd go up the other end like yeah. thousands of them would go he was Amazing. just a extraordinary player and speaking of Essendon Bill you'd end up coaching there for a couple of seasons in 76 and 77 how did that come about and eventually how did it come to an end yeah it was a strange uh, thing I'd been at uh, I was the um um, Ron Barassi rang me one night and uh, said he was going to North Melbourne and would I go with him and um, I think I was 
I'd been in, I'd been at Fitzroy and I got very sick. I was doing too much. I was trying to work and I was trying to coach and and Fitzroy were very uh, wonderful club, absolutely wonderful. But but always short of money. Never had any money, you know. Couldn't get players. And I'll tell you about that later if I get time. But uh, anyway, uh, we were uh, working late one night and the phone rang and it was Ron Brassie. And he said, I'm going to North Melbourne as coach. He said, I want you to come across. And in those days, there was one, only one sole assistant coach. There was no, uh, you know, 99 coaches. It was just, just him and me. And... Uh, I said, oh, yes, okay, and uh, strangely enough, in those days, you never even thought of money, like money just didn't come into it. It was was doing what you loved and doing what you wanted to do. Anyway, so I went across to North, and we um, won the, in the third year, we won the premiership. Anyway, so I went there and uh, coached them, and when I got there, I realised that they had a number of players that would never help them and uh, so we gradually uh, I suppose I don't know what the word is but we gradually uh, moved those players on and and brought in uh, younger players and we got they got younger and younger (laughs) we were playing real kids at the the finish and it was actually the start of the Lou Richards called us the the baby bombers and I think that was the start of the uh, the original baby bombers, but uh, we had oh, had some good good young players. Uh. We speak about coaches being harshly treated these days in some respects, uh, Bill. But uh, having your job advertised in the paper without your knowledge, would be up there. Yeah, and the funny part about it, when when uh, I applied for the job, they said, "How much money do you want?" And of course, money was something that I never ever thought of, and and wasn't very big in our game. And I said, oh, I didn't know. So I plucked a figure. I said, oh, $8,000 a season. And um, I remember getting a letter from, I think it was by a letter or a phone or something anyway. I think it was a letter uh, a bit later on and saying that they uh, my um, salary to $10,000. So I got a rise of... $2,000 without even asking for it. If we're talking to Lions legend uh, Bill Stephen next. Bill, we're going to get to the bottom of your little foray into the music industry. And it's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives.
Great to have your company here on This Is Your Sporting Life, where we're chatting with former Fitzroy great Bill Stephen for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Bill, we just heard the iconic theme song there, the Fitzroy theme song. Tell us a bit about the reimagining or the rewording of the song and your role in that. Um, yes, all right. Well, I had a fair bit to do with that, even if I say that myself. But <laughs> I'll tell you what actually happened. We were going on an end-of-season trip to Western Australia. It was a, a, a big trip for Fitzroy boys, and we raised the money ourselves. I wasn't a, a coach or captain or vice-captain or anything. I was just a player. Um, but I'd be, we'd, So we... we and in those days, you went by train, uh, you know, over by train. I think it took us uh, two two nights and three days, I think, to get there. It was was a long, long trip. I remember one carnival uh, going over there, and Jackie Clark, the train broke down. Jackie Clark and I went for a run on the Nullarbor. But anyway, that's another story. Um, we we were going across there, and um, I'd been to a picture called Casablanca with my wife, um, and, and in Casablanca there's a scene where the French people are sort of in a bar and the, the Germans come in and, the, and of course, uh, the German people, uh, soldiers weren't very nice in those days and, and they uh, sort of lauded it all over and they got up and they started to sing their German song. And uh, then one brave little bloke from France, he got up and started to sing the Marseillais and anyway a second one joined him and a third one joined him and a fourth one in the finish the whole all the French people just absolutely out sung the the Germans and the Germans just slunk away but anyway I was very impressed by that scene I thought oh gee Fitzroy at the time they were named the gorillas they were always the Maroons but they were also they tried to call them the gorillas, and they, but they it never really took to the people didn't take to it, like they never people didn't go around saying I barrack for the gorillas, you know they they might have said they barrack for Fitzroy, they barrack for the Maroons, but they mm. didn't say they barrack for the gorillas. And I said to the boys, we're in a carriage, there was about eight of us, and uh, we're all drinking beer, of course, which there was nothing else to do going over on the on the train and uh, anyway uh, I said I've got a song here and we want to we're going to sing it we're going to sing it so and I told them the circumstances so I said to one fellow I said you start you go next you go next you go next you go next so anyway we put the song together and we sang it well we must have sung it by the time we got home after a fortnight in the west we must have sung that 5,000 times we just absolutely sung it. If we fast forward a bit, the playing coach spills one of the many things about our game that's now consigned to history. But you did it for three years between 55 and 57 before you left the VFL behind with a leg injury. But how tough was that, doing both of those jobs? Oh, it was really tough. Well, it was really tough because, as I mentioned um, I hope I've got the t- the names right, but you used to get players. The only way we'd get get players, I used to write to them. You'd hear about them and you'd write to them uh, yourself and and invite them down. And I can remember a very very good player I got with uh, one letter, a chap by the name of Graham McKenzie. Um, played um, played with Fitzroy later on. Oh, very good player. 
and uh, Ian Aston, another one played for Victoria, got him with a letter. So that was good, but there's some we missed out on. But I got a lot of players that way. But it was very hard for Fitzroy to get, um, because they they virtually had no money. They, it was a, they, they were a wonderful club. And uh, they had some of the finest people you'd ever meet in football. You won the 1959 flag with the Pigeons, didn't you, Bill? That would have been a pretty decent celebration in the town of Yarrawonga that night, I would have thought. Yes, that was the first ever uh, premiership for Yarrawonga. After, I think, 30 years they'd been in the competition. And, uh, oh, that was a... We we had to beat... uh, Bobby Rose was captain and coach of uh, Wangaratta Rovers. We had to beat them three times on end. The last three matches we played, we uh, we had to be we beat them by 16 points at Yarrawonga in the last home and home game in the second semi-final at Benalla. We beat them by 12 points, and in the grand, grand final at Albury, uh, in front of a big crowd for country football, uh, we beat them by eight points. So we had to beat them three weeks on end, but uh, it was super. Uh, uh, and I always remember Bob Rose coming across the ground, and uh, which was wonderful, coming into our rooms and congratulating us on winning our first ever premiership because they'd won it the year before and they won it again the year after. They were a pretty strong club wing rovers, still are. Bill Fitzroy, eventually, they convinced you to come back to the city, didn't they? And you took up the coaching reins for a second time in 1965. Now, you coached through until 1970 in this stint. Now, we spoke about uh, the relatively brutal nature of your uh, termination of your contract at Essendon that would come later. But in this particular instance, weren't you giving your marching orders while you were lying in hospital recovering from pneumonia, if you don't mind? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, no. Uh, we, well, that's right. I was, I was very sick. What I, what happened was, see, when I came back to Fitzroy, they, they hadn't won a game in. Uh, they hadn't won. A, they'd won one game in uh, the year before, but none that particular season. And so they'd won one game in two years. So they're pretty bedrock as far as football talent goes. And. Um, uh, I was happily entrenched at Yarrawonga, and Yarrawonga, after I retired, I played my last game in the uh, at Yarra, and uh, I said to them, and they said, "Look, we want you to stop on as coach for," and they paid me thirty, paid me thirty pound a week as as um, not as non-playing coach, and uh, anyway, uh, Fitzroy came up, and Ernie Joseph, who was. Uh, a fine bloke, but uh, uh, a pretty good businessman, Ernie. He come up, and anyway, after they eventually conv- convinced me to go back and help them out, he, I said, oh, by the way, I said, how much are you? He was going out the gate. I said, he and whoever was with him, some other chap, I said, how much are you going to pay me? He said, £25 a week is as much as we can afford. So I came back from Yarrawonga dropping £5 for, for the for the uh, to the, for the club, so there was there was always remembered that too. Anyway, what happened was that they, a black by the name of um, uh, Graham Donaldson had been at Carlton, and um, somehow or other, someone must have got onto him, and he was lined up to become the next coach of Fitzroy when when I went and uh, so I uh, they didn't again they didn't um, I was never sacked or anything like that they just 
just put a notice in the paper calling for applicants for the um, for the job, and uh, I can remember Kevin, my mate Kevin Murray uh, come in and said to me, uh, "Oh, he said I'd never put in for that job. <laughs> I won't say any more." Anyway, uh, Graham Donaldson got the job, and. Uh, um, and I was out, but uh, no, there's no notification whatsoever. Just, uh, just you, you were, you knew you were finished when the app, when you had to reapply for for the job. Seemed to be the done thing back then, didn't it, uh, Bill? Uh, we're having a chat to Bill Stephen, of course, the Fitzroy great. You're listening to this is your sporting life. All thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. We'll be back on the other side of this to get. Bill's recollections on a real pivotal place in Fitzroy Lions history, and that was when they became the Brisbane Lions. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We're speaking with former Fitzroy player and coach, the legendary Bill Stephen. Well, Bill, take us into the mid-90s. The Lions are on their knees financially, as unfortunately they always uh, or often seem to be. And this time the league isn't interested in a bailout and the Fitzroy-Brisbane merger takes place. Now, Take us through your role in this, because you were a bit like Bulldog Murray, weren't you? You were keen for the Lions to live on, and you thought the merger had to be a success for that to happen. Yes, uh, it was a strange one, because uh, naturally, I think, uh, you know, belonging to a club that you sort of thought the world of, and, uh, you know, had had been my whole, not my whole life, but my whole football, uh, sporting life, to to think that it you know was being pushed around and thrown around and going to something was going to happen to it mm. anyway they were going obviously going to get rid of Fitzroy in some sort of a fashion and um, uh, Fitzroy at the time uh, were were struggling they were really struggling they had a, Fitzroy unfortunately were b- between two very strong clubs Carlton. And Collingwood, and at the time, um, they could like Carlton have had some le- very lean years, but um, at the time, uh, 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 Carlton and Collingwood were very, very strong areas, and they Fitzroy were in between them, and and virt- virtually got got left, and um, so they they were the league were keen to. This bloke got in. A couple of blokes got into the, uh, you know, doing the directing at the league, and uh, they decided to get rid of Fitzroy. But uh, and we became very, very close with North Melbourne. It looked as though, to me, as if, and I had really nothing to do with it, but um, it looked um, to me as if we were going to go to North Melbourne, and it was pretty obvious that we were going to. Uh, share with North Melbourne, who at the time were going too well. We were going to um, merge with North Melbourne, and right up almost until the day of the announcement of the Brisbane decision, we um, we were going to North Melbourne, and that's why it came as 
it's such a shock, I think, to Fitzroy people to think that one minute they were going to to North Melbourne. Not that we wanted to merge with anybody. We didn't. We wanted our... See, Fitzroy had been in the league, I think it was 112 years, um, with eight premierships. And if ever a club deserved to stop in the league, it was Fitzroy. We didn't want to. We didn't really want to. Uh, certainly, to go out of the league, but we didn't want to go. And right up until the uh, uh, the last couple of days, and it came as a real shock to me, anyway, and to everybody that I know of, that uh, we were going to go up to Brisbane. So, I was going to ask you. I'm pretty keen to ask you. You know how much enjoyment you did take, or you were able to take, if any, out of the Brisbane Lions having that amazing run. Mm of success in the early 2000s. Obviously, the three premierships in a row, 2001, two and three. I mean, were you able to enjoy that? Oh, yes, I was able to enjoy it, but not nothing like I, I should have, I suppose, because mm. it took me two or three years to to really accept the fact that the, that the club was gone and that uh, they were, uh, they'd never be back again and uh, that they'd gone up to Brisbane, which, you know, a long, long way away. But, uh, but look, I respect the club, and I, I wish them well, and I, I th- think they've got to find... The, the, whoever's doing their recruiting has certainly done the good job this this time in because they look as though they've got a crackerjack side. So, you know, I wish, wish them all the best. And uh, the memories are memories now with the old club, and... You can't live live in the past. Well said, Bill. But I guess memories they ensure the legacy, don't they? In a way, so always you've always got to hold on to your memories. What are your thoughts on modern day footy, uh, Billers? Um, do you watch a lot out of it? And and like everyone else oh, right yes, now, imagine yeah, I'm, you're missing it a lot. Football's been my game since I was virtually born, because as I mentioned, there was nothing else. There was football in the winter and cricket in the summer. Uh, and our football season went for about eight, nine months uh, in as much as we, we played it. And then when it got too hot, we played cricket. Well, I did. But um, uh, I've always loved football, loved it. I loved uh, Hayden Bunton was my idol. I met him s- several times. Uh, uh, he... <laughs> um, what a player he was! You know, not only did he win three Brownlows, but he won three uh, Sandovers as well. And uh, uh, I won't just talk about him, but uh, he, he was there. Chicken Smallhorn, uh, a fellow by the name of Denny Ryan from Albury, where Bunton came from. Denny Ryan was just—you'd go to the Fitzroy Ground, and uh, Denny Ryan was centre half back. For Fitzroy, and the the whole what used to happen in those days, uh, Sam was the 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 players would gather like it. The football was much slower than what it is today, of course, much rougher, much tougher. Yeah. But but the the pace of the game makes it very tough today. Um, but uh, they used to gather like you'd get about eight or ten players gathering at centre-half forward and centre-half back, and they'd all fly for the ball. Well, you'd see the pack had rise, and then this pair of hands had come over the pack and just take the ball. And this is true. The Fitzroy grandstand used to stand on its feet and all shout, Dinny Ryan. 
And every time that fellow would mark the ball, he was a magnificent mark and a magnificent kick. And, of course, he won, I think, uh, 30, one of the 30 uh, Brownlows. That Fitzroy had a great run of Brownlow medalists in those days. But... Hey, Bill, if you were to turn on the TV tonight and watch a game of football, who of the current-day players do you get most joy out of watching? Oh, gee, current-day players? Well, I've seen some, you know, seen and played with the, most of the champions over the years. Dustin Martin's a wonderful player. He's um, uh, he, he's, he's got pace. He can, he can mark and he can kick. He's a wonderful player. See, there's none better than Dustin Martin. But I don't say he's the best player ever. But there's none better. Uh, uh, he, he's a wonderful player, yes. Bill, before yeah. we let you go, a lot of listeners that are hearing you today are familiar with the Brunswick Street Oval, of course, the spiritual home of your pride and joy, Fitzroy Alliance. It's a picturesque oval these days. It's restored. Oh, it's beautiful. iconic. It's as pretty <laughs> as a picture. But take us back in time. Is that how you remember it through the you know 40s, 50s and 60s? Oh, gee, it was a... It was a... Well, mind you, there's some very other grounds that were just as bad, like uh, Collingwood, you couldn't get a shower. Uh, Windy Hill would blow your head off. Footscray was... We played there one day, and I think they'd opened... The heavens had played in water. Honestly, the ball had just hit the ground in water. There's been some very... Carlton's always been... was a terrible ground. See, they've fixed the grounds up in the last few years, but Fitzroy was... a I can remember when the selectors, if they'd come out onto the ground, the ground was that bad and that muddy that they used to have to put boards down for the selectors to walk out onto the ground <laughs> so they wouldn't sink into his shoes, shoes, the shoes into the mud. Oh, gee, it was it was terrible at times, but. Uh, Oh, well, still a great crowd. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's, it's beautiful and, uh, now. It is. It's so great to see it, um, I guess, uh, restored and, and living on. It looks magnificent at the moment. Well, Bill, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. You've had an absolutely incredible career. From my part, I've loved looking back on it with you. Thanks a lot for joining us. Oh, very good, Sam. Always a place to help football. Again, absolute pleasure. Appreciated uh, your time. Awesome to catch up with you. Incredible career. Um, And thanks for your company too. We'll be back next week to celebrate another sporting life. Thanks to our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating life. to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.